to The Wow, the podcast that will provide you with the tools you need to thrive in today's society. If you're new here, then hello, I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and if you've listened before, then welcome back. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work in the suicide prevention space in a marketing and communications role in Canberra. I spend too much time socialising at the dog park with my lovely border collie Murphy and enjoy pizza on the couch with a glass of wine most Friday nights. But today we are talking about embracing singleness. I mean, we're brought up in a society that teaches us to find a man, settle down, get married and to start a family all within our 20s or early 30s. But what if that narrative isn't for you? What if you aren't happy in the relationship that you're in, but feel the pressures of society, family expectations and social media to just suck it up? Navigating the single world is no easy task and neither is learning to love your own company. That's why I have author, speaker, broadcaster and coach Stacey June to help us unpack the world of finding ourselves amongst society's expectations and singleness. If you enjoy this episode as much as I did, then please remember to subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, you better come join us on Instagram at the wow podcast underscore. Good morning, Stacey, and welcome to the wow podcast. Oh, hi, Georgina. Thanks very much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today about being single and living the single life. But before we delve into that, I would like to give an acknowledgement of country. So I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Ngunnawal people, the traditional custodians of the land I reside on here in Canberra, and the Wurundjeri, Wurrung and Bungurong people of the Kulin Nation that Stacey resides on down in Melbourne. I pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners here today. So Stacey, how are you? And would you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners, please? About myself? Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm I'm well, I'm really well. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Melbourne. Uh, I've woken up and had a bit of a a dance floor um, playlist going on in my lounge room uh, with my little family, which makes is made up of my husband and my toddler, Bryn. Um, and I have just written a book. Um, so I think I'm technically an author, which is still <laughs> giving me total imposter syndrome vibes, but I am owning it uh, because I wrote every single one of those 70,000 words. Uh, And uh, in another life, I was a broadcaster. Um, I also, these are all kind of um, societies, boxes and labels that give you a bit of a quick snapshot of what I am, but it's sometimes helpful, I guess. Um, I'm a self-care coach and really an advocate and champion of uh, women's stories um, and and people accessing their intuition so they're able to live their truest version of self, their, their truest purpose their truest life um I've moved through the media career telling those stories and now I'm moving into a a different part of my life where I'm really looking to contribute more hands-on to those stories so um yeah I do a bit of both I'm still in the media industry but in a very different way and um and now just about to finish my yoga teacher training um and I also manage a membership program for women um, or it's it is really welcome it is open to everybody um, 
women people that identifies with you know it's open but I do happen to um to I suppose attract uh women that identify as cisgendered women um uh mostly so there is a group of women that I run through in a self-care club which is a membership program connecting women with each other through um their self-development journey and their interest in self-care and working on themselves without it being a solo journey something that we can look at as doing um, together and having a good time doing it even if it is difficult at times um, we can kind of do that solo journey find a way for ourselves to be comfortable in that but also connect with people going through that um, almost like simultaneously you know what's the word um parallel parallel not simultaneously par parallel with us so yeah that's a little bit about I suppose where I'm at today Mm. You have had such an incredible career and I think, you know, some some listeners may know you from your early days in podcasting and radio, like you mentioned, broadcasting, The Thinker Girls, and I'm sure plenty of people may have probably seen your book, Single Pringle, around because, I mean, it's just everywhere. It, it, the cover is beautiful and I think it is really relatable to a lot of young girls out there who are navigating that space of being in their 20s and going, I feel like I need to have a boyfriend, but, you know, everyone tells me that being single is like not a good time and is like something to avoid and to fill ourselves with finding the right person and settling down and all of the society's expectations that are put on women singleness seems to be this kind of like a deep dark thing that no one wants to label as like a good time and so it's really refreshing to see someone like yourself come out and publish a book around that being like you know fuck this is actually fantastic and let's use that to create the best type of version of yourself in your book you talk about obviously your relationship with being single but why did you decide to write it and what was kind of the forces behind yeah deciding to produce a piece of work like it because that feeling that you described um this contentment and fulfillment in a single life is really hard work it is not effortless it is not easy it is not we're not entitled to it um society fights us on that way of experiencing it our family and friends often fight us in that approach to experiencing single life and when I say that approach to trying to find peace and contentment in it um, so I, I wrote the book that helped me get to that place because single and fabulous was definitely the byline to sex and the city and whilst there was an absolute tone that I was searching for when I first became single in my late 20s after a very big relationship broke off where I was like, I don't want to marry this guy. Like, what am I doing? I'm here just because I've been with him for a long time because everybody tells me the next step is marriage and I don't really want to be on my own. So I'm going to stay. And, and, you know, but then there was a byline to shows like Sex and the City or, you know, different types of ideas around single life and they would help me I guess, move towards a better place for myself. But when I got there, there was no information as to how you actually get to that single and fabulous place. There was no tools or steps or truth about the fact that, that being single is hard and being single is harder than I think being in a relationship, even though now being in a marriage where I didn't, I didn't think I would end up married, 
because I absolutely rebelled against all social constructs when I was single. It was like a part of my, I suppose, shedding of who I was and what I believed. And then I found myself in a way that wasn't necessarily rebelling against things that I didn't want. I just had to choose them on my terms. So being married is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in a different way because I didn't have great examples of marriage. I didn't have great teachings. And I also live in a marriage very much like my single life where we make our own rules. It's not an open relationship. I think people just jump to that, but we definitely have a particular type of marriage that stays open in our minds, our hearts, and the way that we see the construct of that. That's kind of the same approach I had being single. And I feel like I got to that place because I decided to make single life my own version of and didn't want to wait until it was over for me to enjoy my life. I also wanted to shed a whole heap of narrative and conditioning and stories that I'd been told about who I was, who I should be and what not just single but certain parts of my personality meant. You know, a woman in leadership would mean that I was bossy or outspoken. I would go through all kinds of different experiences in my career that made me so different, like observed and perceived so differently to the men that were acting exactly the same as me. And this is like, you know, not even in the last decade. It's like so recently. This That's is still the happening. scary thing, isn't it? Is that you think that we're so far from it until you do kind of experience these expectations until you do become like myself. I've been with my partner for four years now. And now everyone asks, oh, so when you when are you getting married? And it's like, hang on, what the hell? Why the hell do I need to worry about that? Like I really couldn't care less. And like I don't need to do that right now just because I've been with him for a couple of years. Like you kind of don't realize that these expectations and these boxes that gendered boxes and gender roles that are placed on women totally do exist still in the day and age that we're living in they don't just exist they're actually like a very rich deep tapestry in our society so when we do go to have these kinds of conversations a lot of it is really subconscious right and if you're an energetic person or a spiritual person like I am or a scientist you know the energetics is a real effing thing Um, but the tapestry and the conditioning goes back to as early as stories have been told around owning women. So as much as we're having these um, luncheons of women together on International Women's Day and, and you know, we're having these absolute, um, I suppose, a bit of an uproar when women in government are treated badly in the media, it, it ends on deaf ears a little bit because the subtle behaviours around how things work are so subtle and so often that's why it's so amazing that we've even got a word like gaslighting now because it's so hard to define and that you know it's so subtle that it it will continue to be a problem until women are trusted for just saying so not for proof and and that's a very difficult place to be in because we live in a western society and the west like everything on a piece of paper proof proven you know it's a very different it's a particular way of living whereas the east don't need all of this kind of approach and this is very big generalizations but I'm just talking about kind of health systems or the way people treat their bodies you know there's a much more holistic approach in other areas of the world and now they're growing to be able to prove elements of that but it, this is taking a really long time like at the end of the day if somebody says they were hurt they were hurt if somebody says they feel good being single they feel good being single. They're not lying to you. Yeah. So 
I think, you know, it's very complex. And, and I think what we need to do is stop worrying about, oh, it's not stop worrying about it, but focus less on changing other people's minds and focus more on working on ourselves. Because when we live by example around your little cousin, your friends, the person that you are, it's almost like you influence quadruple the amount of people than if you are pitching or protesting about a particular thing on Instagram about another issue. And I'm not saying that stuff doesn't have a place and I'm not saying I'm a big activist and I believe in that and you should always speak up. But I think we're missing an integral part of this conversation as women is that educating, amplifying, growing our self-worth internally is the answer to this stuff changing because we will change and we won't wait for them to give us permission to change. We have to do the work. And that's why I wrote the book, because it goes through the steps I took to do my own work. I went the entire first section is around letting go of any conditioning or any kind of family narrative or any form of idea you had on how you should be before you even begin to think about who you are. Like before you even start to go into this deep dive of who am I, what do I want, what's my purpose, what do I want to do? You need to understand what you've been told you should be and the kinds of normal things that have been sold to you as a version of normal for yourself and figure out which parts work for you and which parts don't before you can even remotely think about yourself. The, the book is sectioned in to help with that. Yeah. I mean, it's so fascinating, but God, I'm just like so agreeing with everything that you say. Like it is so more complex and nuanced than what people realize and like I think it's really funny because people say oh yeah you can enjoy your single life like it's but it's not as easy as that like I think people don't understand the work that needs to be done to be able to enjoy ourselves because of not only the external expectations but the internal expectations that we may have put on ourselves to have met certain milestones of what we think is what's meant to be. And I want to interject there and also make it very clear that that also applies to people in relationships. Just because you're mm. in a relationship doesn't mean you're comfortable on your own. This book can be read by anybody looking to search for their solo self. Sure, it's like you're, you can watch Sex in the City if you're in a relationship, right? You still like the stories. Essentially, my stories are told through a single lens. But the, the moral of the story is if you've ended up in a relationship quite early in your life, chances are you really are, are kind of learning about yourself and you're learning it alongside someone and for many of you, a man. It's really important that you deep dive into that solo self regardless of your relationship. You know, this work is for everybody. It's not just for singles. It's about us finding our solo selves um, and that's told through my single life. But my goodness, I've used this book for my own relationship now, especially even becoming a mother. I've had to pull back on some of these lessons that I learned and really ensure that I check in with myself and do the work to make sure that I'm not fading, you know, and, and that is a, I think from what I can see at this point of my life, I'm in my um, mid thirties, that it's going to be a lifelong, a lifelong commitment, you know, and that's a commitment to me. And that doesn't change whether I stay in my marriage, I get out of my marriage. I was never in my marriage early on it's not going to change that sense of me having to build my confidence within my solo self separate to the labels continues. And it's really important to point that out. This is not 
the kinds of things I'm talking about that we need to do are not exclusive to people that have a relationship status as single. Mm, Absolutely. I love that you bring up Sex in the City because, I mean, firstly, absolutely obsessed with it um and secondly I think it's it's interesting the idea of singleness that they do like uh, the themes and I, I mean obviously it was created really long time ago and I'm sure if they did a series like that now it'd be very different but you know there is still that idea that being single is about finding men and like sleeping around and enjoying yourself on your terms definitely but it's still about the fact that you know you need a man in your life in some way shape or form to function in certain elements like obviously that's not like the whole theme of the series but like I do find that that's kind of some of the messages that they're told like how I think this leads into a really nice question around the rhetoric of being single and the ideologies of needing a partner of some sort to be complete in your life. How do you not let that bog you down? And how do you kind of shut out those kind of voices and focus on yourself? Cause I think it can feel like a real push and pull relationship with like, Oh, I should listen to them. No, I don't listen to them. Oh, I don't know I should, how I much should I should listen Tinder. to them. I should delete yeah. Tinder. I should download Tinder. I should Absolutely. Like the how yeah. the hell do you like navigate that minefield? Well, firstly, you label, you take off any labels around, you know, this idea of it being good or bad. I think that's the first thing. I think there's good or bad when you're in a relationship, there's good or bad when you're single. And I think often being single is, I don't know, it still feels like such a talking point for a woman to be single and confident and comfortable that I think we need to kind of take off these two labels that you're either thriving or you're either flailing. You know, there's a whole range of different things in there. The other label or the other, I suppose, um, billboard or kind of whatever you want to call it around being single is that when you're flourishing or you're feeling good about being single, it means you're not interested in meeting someone. Because there's also this other narrative where if you're doing really well being single, you've got no qualms and you look like you are feeling, like feeling quite confident and happy and content, then all of a sudden that says to the world, I don't need no mans. You know, so there's this opposite approach. And the characters in Sex and the City and often the characters in these types of um, narratives I mean, they've gotten much different the more modern they've, t- the more modern it's become. Like Broad City is just completely polar opposite. But the point is like, you know, it, there, it is that everybody's put in a box. So the first thing is to let go of all of those boxes. And again, that just applies to life too. That's why when I introduced myself, I was like, this is for a purpose and I'll use these types of terms. But really I see myself as so much more, I've got so much more depth than those society kind of um, labelled words or titles. So that would be the first thing I would say is try and take off any of these ideas about, about what you're being told is single and how you feel in that, you know. So if you feel good, that means you don't want a relationship. If you feel bad, it means you're desperate for one. If you feel something in the middle, it means you're scared or, you know, none of this has to mean anything other than how you feel on that day. So that's the first thing, because I think we often will add a whole layer of complication to our own lives because we've got all of these narratives that have been fed to us for a long time. So if you can try and find a way to let go of those, 
if that's something that you find hard and you can't even remotely start to gauge on practically how you can do that, read the book, learn how to meditate, journal, start the self-care because it will all come back to you being comfortable in finding your own voice and not being led by external voices, but you need to find a practice that helps you do that. And that is getting quiet, that is learning to have a conversation with yourself, that is learning to like the conversation you have with yourself. And that may mean that some days you'll feel awful and some days you'll feel amazing and you need to like yourself both days. Imagine that. We were okay on ourselves when we felt shit and we were okay on ourselves when we felt great. That's what we're aiming for, right? Because then the external parts we don't cling to and also we stop avoiding parts of ourselves that don't we don't deem successful appropriate helpful comfortable you know etc etc so we avoid lots of different parts of ourselves and often we will take these labels take social media take the message that auntie joanne is saying at the family do as ways for us to distract from actually just living our own lives and our own paths So the second point would be to not get busy in distracting yourself in the drama of what other people think and how other people perceive your experience uh, and focus on your own experience. Going back to that original point, you know, if you're not diving into yourself, you know, there's no, you can do all the activism in the world, but you're not changing yourself energetically. So there's no kind of aura coming out of you where somebody that you could potentially influence is going to feel that you're different, feel that you're comfortable, feel that you're an activist for yourself. Does that make sense? So Hmm. you have to kind of live it and you have to live all of it. Um, And I suppose the other thing would be get used to flip-flopping, you know, get used to feeling different. We all feel different. We all feel different every day. God, in a pandemic, it could be we feel different every hour. But I think that's the other thing. Single life is really hard. And some mornings you're going to have this amazing time and then by the night you might have been ghosted. It's tricky, right? Like even if you have trouble in your relationship, by the about the second or third year, you're kind of pretty aware of what's coming and what's not and, and what you know to be your struggles in that relationship and what you know works and you kind of can work from there. It's a little less um, unpredictable where a single life is not like that. You might be dating just to feel I don't know, a flirtiness or have fun, or you might be dating to find a relationship or you might not be dating at all. But because there's so many other factors that are outside of yourself, it's really hard because there's a lot of things that can influence your mood and influence where you sit. So you've also just got to get a, a bit of a confidence within that inner voice that I've been talking about because the reality is it is a bit trickier for you guys. It is a bit trickier being single. You don't have as many constants. The only constant is you, which is why the book's so important because it's really the only thing you can rely on in this time. Yeah, you've got friends and other family members, but I think at the end of the day, yeah, I think it's a really good time to learn about how to do that without any other influences. You know, like yourself, you've been in a relationship for a while. I've had friends that have met their partners at 18 and it's all very possible to make that work and still find yourself but I actually think it was such a gift for me to find that single time because 
it really is a very freeing opportunity for you to explore yourself deeply with no influences. So use it as an opportunity. Mm, Absolutely. And I think like as anyone who goes through their twenties, like it is such a transformative time. And like anyone who looks at themselves at who they were when they were 20 and then reflects on the person they've become when they're like 29 is probably going to go, I'm half the person. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I, that person I was when I was 20 is completely different to the person that I am now. And so I think like in, in a relationship or not, like you were saying, like it's so important to reflect within yourself and to figure out what you want and to do that, the kind of the processes that you're talking about, the self-care, the the real like deep critical thinking and of and reflecting on what your values are and what you want and the and like, just sorry, on, sorry, just before well. we get onto that on that point as well. I think the focus really of some of this work, just to clarify, is the deep critical or deep feeling you know the real work around self-care is allowing yourself to feel and finding comfortable parameters or activities or exercises or practices that allow you to feel all your feelings that's really what the crux of a lot of my work is getting out of our head and quitting the thinking and getting more comfortable with the feeling whichever feeling that may be and that's where you'll start to figure out more about yourself. You won't learn as much about yourself from your mind because your mind is the almost like the managing director of your life. Your feelings, your intuition is the founder, the CEO. So I just wanted to make that really clear that when I say about this work, it's not about putting too much of a process on things or trying to figure it out with your mind. It's that you need to use your mind to motivate you to get into practices that allow you to feel. And that's how they should merge. So then when you start doing the feeling practices, you'll get more confident with you leading your life from that place. And that place is your true self, not your mind, not the thinking part. I really like that. That's that's like a fascinating concept that I absolutely adore. <laughs> um, we have some listener questions. The first one is from Ellie and she wants to talk about how to stop taking rejection or getting ghosted to heart. I really feel for her because I just like think back to the times that that's happened and it's so hard to not take it really personally. Um, What is your advice around situations as such? I think the first one would be that it is personal. You know, I think sometimes when we try and jump too far into the process of healing or too far into the defense mechanism or the protection mode where we put on some armor to deal with this stuff, we miss a real fundamental part of acknowledging that we've been hurt by somebody that we barely know. And that's okay. That happens. You know, you know, I don't know if everybody listening has had these types of experiences, but I've had big breakups. Like I was in a relationship for like, God, almost eight years. And I've also been in other relationships through my life. And of course, they're incredibly heartbreaking and have a whole other different form of hurt. But I've also been really hurt by a guy that I danced with all night on the dance floor and then left the place and had these beautiful epic chats all night walking around the streets and thought that he would call and then he didn't. And my heart doesn't know the difference between what society deems a successful, unsuccessful relationship or 
I've been with someone for longer or less, my heart just knows how it feels. So my first step to this is don't underestimate the feeling and give yourself the chance to feel it even if it feels silly because everybody's telling you, you don't need him, this is so simple, you barely know him. If you feel something in that, you can feel it for a bit, you know, and it might not, I wouldn't recommend it would be the next six months if you can help it. And I would really hope that you've got a good kind of or a solid self-care routine where that would catch you and you wouldn't necessarily have to dive if you allow yourself to feel. You don't end up finding yourself in the mud six months later because I think often a lot of us without any form of, I guess, practice are scared if we feel we'll end up in a really awful place, you know. So that's why the self-care part's there to kind of allow you to, you'll, you'll bounce back because you do the work in other areas. You meditate, you give yourself time. And if you don't, start. So then those feelings can be acknowledged without them being petrifying or it's like too, super terrified because you're worried what will happen if you feel. And then the second point is, is that I guess it is really important to understand that the online world is a part of our life, but it is one part of our life. It's not necessarily the same level of life as in person. And whilst that's a really hard thing to say, and also people would maybe argue with me on that point, it is still an option and, an, and a totally wonderful um, way to connect. Like my child met his grandparents on FaceTime in the pandemic, like without it, you know, we literally had him in the mid, like the very beginning of COVID. So I understand how wonderful all of the technology can be, but it's still not the same. So it's really important to label that as just a little bit different too. So when you do feel that, which A, you should be completely acknowledging, it's almost like you can tell yourself, okay, this feels a lot, but also it, 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 there's a surface level to this because of the way we're communicating. So it kind of allows you to not hit into logic, but essentially maybe meet them where they were at in the first place, which was they weren't as invested as you thought. And so you're kind of now meeting not just the response, but who they are and how much you actually knew them, which will kind of help you maybe analyse it or, you know, get around it in your head. And there was one last point I wanted to say, and it's completely left me. If I remember it, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back up. But, oh, that's right. The other thing that I really think is important is that this is not a blame game. This is not a victim game. This is not a, because I've already said that you should acknowledge your feelings straight up. So let me just clarify that. But at the end of the day, I really do believe that our intuition allows us to get really witchy and crafty and fucking super powery when it comes to being a woman in particular around our life. And sometimes when someone's been cheating on you and you're surprised and then three months, three months later, you're like, I kind of knew. And then maybe four months after the person goes to you, you were like, he didn't really fit the mould of what I was looking for and I went there anyway. Or, you know, six months later it was like, actually he was showing me all these weird signs and my intuition was telling me but I was really lonely. Your intuition is so important. It's so important to practise a kind of version of something again there's a million different options in the book like there's literally homework in the book where you can start this um 
so it's really, really important to have a good relationship with your intuition in these kinds of scenarios too, because it just allows you to get out of trouble maybe a little earlier than you would if you're ignoring it. I so agree with everything, like your intuition, as soon as you block it out and it consumes like, and it's consumed by other emotions and thoughts, like it just, your intuition is so important to guiding you on where you need to be and like what decisions you should be making. And I really love that because it can kind of be a hard thing to, to remember and to also like clear the chaos of the mind to kind of like actually bring it back in and go hang on no what were my initial thoughts and feelings and what is my intuition like telling me after we go through all of these listener questions I'd love to dive into that a little bit more um because I feel like that can kind of be a hard thing to do so the next question is from Maggie and she wants to know how to get over heartbreak what is like how to go through that transition phase of having broken up with someone that you really had like fallen in love with and how do you get into that new space of then loving yourself and moving forward on that on that journey I think the first thing is to not get over it and feel the heartbreak you know I think we want to rush our our processes and it doesn't make anything end quicker (laughs) just makes it harder the more we resist it the more it clings on and you know the more we ignore particular parts of ourselves or the more that we end up you know burying ourselves in our work or social media or external factors the more we don't listen to our bodies which can then end up in actually physically feel like falling sick you know there's so much about our lives and who we are that is committed to resisting or committed to um, distracting, right? So in order for you to get over a heartbreak, you need to feel the heartbreak. That's the absolute first step. If you don't give yourself the chance to feel the pain, it will come back to fight you and find you. Like, it, you know, in six months' time, you'll meet someone and then something will happen on your birthday and then you'll be in the toilet crying about your ex because you haven't got over him, even though you're in a great relationship with this person and that opportunity for this new relationship basically is just kind of falling through your fingertips because this guy's like, well, you're crying around your ex. Why are we even together? And you can't explain that. It's mostly because you didn't deal with it. You didn't heal. It's going to be quicker for you to feel it. Trust me. (laughs) Like the, the more you put it off, the more the the longer it will be that you're single. So don't avoid your feelings is the first thing. Do not fill your life with plans and schedules and social media and busyness, even if that means you're doing seven different hobbies, 45 different cooking things at the moment because you're in lockdown. <laughs> don't fill it all, you know, mm-hmm. like have some space, schedule and some space to be to be. And that may be to journal. This is how I feel today. Again, in the book, there's a heap of homework to help you because it's. I think sometimes like, okay, oh, she's right. I, I want to do that, but how? That's why the book's so practical. Um, and I really believe, like as you were saying, with all the intuition work too, there's a way for you to find that voice. It's not just a matter of me saying this is what I think you should do, and I don't have any tools. I have a whole website of tools to do this because, and this isn't even a plug. This is just because I'm so passionate about helping people find the way to do it because all of this stuff is so blown up at us all the time on Instagram about live your best life, follow your intuition, feel your feelings. 
and but it's like how the hell am I meant to do that yeah exactly so I've got you there's a million different things there's a lot of things on my Instagram that are free there's some really expensive one-on-one stuff well there's a book that's like 20 bucks somewhere plenty of ways for you to start so don't stress there's a, and there might be a million different other books and different people that you've interviewed on this show or on podcasts or whatever. It doesn't, I'm not saying it has to be me, but I know that my style is very practical tools. You know, it is really putting practicality behind these things that we're told are just feeling emotions that we should just know it. Well, we don't. Our parents didn't teach us how to feel. When we fell, we that we were yelled at, you're all right, you're all right. Don't feel you're okay. You're okay. I see still, you know, that's still happening. Get, just let them feel for a second. Let us feel, right? So that is the first thing. And the other thing would be is, I, I this is a bit of a hard one because it does feel like I'm kind of being a hypocrite because it sounds like it's easier said than done. But like I've just explained, I do have lots of ways to help you through this. If there's an opportunity at some point in the near future, it may not be today, for you to see this heartbreak or this breakup as an opportunity, then it will really help you move forward. And not just move forward in a way where you'll get over your ex and meet someone else, but that you will become a better person for it. When relationships don't work, we need to stop looking at them as failures and start taking the information we got from them and building with that. I say at the beginning of my coaching client sessions, do not underestimate the power in the stuff you didn't do this week when we set homework come in and tell me what you struggled with come in and tell me what you skipped because that information is so important for me to help mold what we'll do next time or what we'll look into a little further as to why that happened the same with breakups they are such an opportunity to learn it is the absolute only way you can learn about yourself in relationships is coming out of one and being in one that didn't work yeah, um, reflecting. So use it, you know, that might not be today because you're still feeling it like I've just encouraged and those two don't need to be on the same day. But eventually see if you can invite that thought. Just put it as an offering to yourself. Put it on the fridge, put it in your bedroom or on the mirror. This is an offering from Stacey June. It's like I gave it to you. Here's a thought, babe. Stacey is offering you this. Could this breakup or this feeling or this hard time be an opportunity for me and then it's just a question you have to answer it today but then maybe one day you'll answer yes and then you'll get to the next step just bit by bit Mm, I like that the last question I really enjoyed um, and I'm really excited to get your response because I really I feel like we all know someone who's feels this way she's sent in saying that she's 28 And the thought of being single terrifies her. I don't know whether I should just try to make my relationship work or learn to accept the single life for myself. And I just really feel for this person because I know so many friends that are at that stage and they're like, oh, well, I just, maybe I just make it work because all my friends are in relationships. There's no one to be single with. It's almost harder to be without them than like, you know, than just like dealing with whatever the relationship is. What's, yeah, give us all the good stuff that you might have around this. Can I be really obnoxious and read the first page? Yeah, go, go for it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is me sitting across from a cafe with my cousin. I say, I want to get married, but I don't want to marry him. 
I was sitting across from my cousin in a cafe in the heart of Melbourne on a chilly, rainy day discussing my current relationship. I feel a bit wanky reading this, but I think this is going to be great no, for this particular it. question. <laughs> Through my tears, I continued. I can't. It's just too toxic. So there's no other option, right? If I want to get married, I have to leave him. She said, well, that's a reason. But it was time. After years of dilly-dallying about whether I should stay or go, I finally broke it off and was collected by my best mate the very night, the, the very next night to try and figure out what was next. Finally, it was about me, 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 and not about him, 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 or us, us, us. And I was terrified. Mm. We all I've got goosebumps, Stacey. <laughs> I thought it was like, it was just when you were saying, reading, she's me. Like I, I was yeah. also 28, you know, I, that is so true. And I'll continue. It says the relationships are among the first goals we are taught to strive for. So being on our own feels like a failure. My life felt like a broken vase that I had to put back together only. I couldn't find all the pieces, you know, like it is a really tricky time, but she's not alone. We've all, we've, you know, many of us have been through it and it is one of those things that I often, you know, it's hard because if she was, if I was coaching with her, there's no way I would be saying, leave him. You know, these decisions cannot possibly be made by anybody else. But having said that, your intuition is saying something for a reason. So you need to figure out whether that reason is because you're sabotaging something. If it's the absolute relation, everything that you've ever wanted and you feel so fulfilled and he's, you know, all of the kinds of qualities or she's all the kinds of qualities you want and you're still not happy, then do you need to go to therapy and work through that? Is that maybe something that you've got to kind of address? But mostly our intuition's telling us that we might need to leave because we do need to leave and we don't want to do it because it's hard. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a natural reaction. But I don't think you ever regret a breakup. Like I, how many people can you actually say it's hard it's not fun. You regret feeling the way you do or regret putting onto yourself, putting onto yourself in inverted commas, the way that you do. But you don't regret meeting the next person. You don't regret being out of it. And I say this in the book as well. Ever feel as lonely laying by yourself at night, which you do feel lonely when you're on your own, but you never feel as lonely in that moment that you do when you're laying next to a partner you you know you shouldn't be with that feeling is so much more lonelier than the lonely feeling when you lay by yourself and you know you're doing the right thing yeah I promise you that needs to be like that needs to be one of those little quotes on Instagram that just like everyone needs to see I really agree with that I promise you the lonely feeling on your own is Oh, nothing like the lonely feeling that you feel when you're laying next to someone and you're feeling lonely in that moment and there's someone physically there. That's way harder, way harder. Let's talk about, let's pick up that conversation around intuition because I really want to delve in onto this a little bit deeper. I want to know where to start and where you would recommend starting in terms of trying to hone in on that inner voice and listen to your intuition like what are the steps to getting there if you're looking to do this further there is an actual find your intuition worksheet and the self-care club that I do the membership is built around strengthening this on the reg so I just want to put that straight out there if people looking for other resources 
But I will share with you some really good um, ideas on where to start. And that is to understand the difference between your mind and you. So you know when you're going up the street and you've forgotten tomatoes or something and you're making pasta or you've got to call Sarah back and she's called you again and blah, blah, blah. And in your mind, you're saying like, oh, I need to get the tomatoes. Or in your mind, it's like a voice. Like there's a voice saying to you, ah, call Sarah, your shit friend. Something like <laughs> that, right? There's a voice. It's like it's like your what you see as your voice. Like it's you, right? So it's, I don't know if anyone remembers the Look Who's Talking movies. They are so old. But there's this movie where the kid's voice, he doesn't speak obviously because he's a baby, but it's a voiceover of a kid's approach, like of a, the way a kid lives. And there's a certain voice, right? And we have those voices in our head. If we were describing what it sounds like, it would be really hard, but we know what it sounds like in our mind. So for such a long time, we've identified that particular voice as who we are because that's what we speak to ourselves. That's how we work. But that's not who we are. That's just thoughts that we've dressed up in a costume as ourselves. We've been told that our thoughts are the way that we live by, that our mind, the masculine, should be the way to make decisions, the way to um, kind of construct and analyse and dissect situations, and our intuition is like this kind of flimsy, girly kind of, I don't know, extra thing that you do on top of that stuff. But it's not you. Whereas I argue it's the complete opposite, that your intuition and that inner voice that is your gut that basically has no voice because you're probably not talking to it or getting to know it very well. So it's so faint. A lot of you would be like, I don't even know what that is because you're not paying any attention or making any form of effort to get to know her. She is who you actually are. And your thoughts are the constructor or the doer of who you are. And you need to get to know that chick. And you need to start doing it today. Because if you're living from your mind and you think that you are making decisions that are best for yourself from your head, Sure, the head is a very important part of the picture. Don't get me wrong. But we can't live from our purpose from the head. Like when you feel the word purpose, where do you feel it? You feel it in your body. It's not a thought. Your purpose is something you feel, right? Your values are things you feel. You can't think those things. That's a type. That's a plan. That's a strategy. That's an approach. That's a doing that's a ver you know, that's a mind thing. But the soul, the soul of our lives, the people that we are, the things that make us laugh, the things that make us cry, the things that make us get the goosebumps, they're coming from our body. And that's our intuition. That's who we actually are. So if you aren't really sure who that is, then you gotta start now because I guarantee your life will improve pretty instantly when you start giving her a bit more attention. And I use the analogy in, I think it's like chapter four in Single Pringle, I do a bit of it. I do a lot of it in my membership program. So it's not just like a one-off thing. We work on it. Like there's new videos that go up every week. And a very big part is actually flexing this muscle like you would at the gym, like doing meditations. I do different kinds of guided meditations, which really invite you to invest in this relationship. So you get to know her super clearly super confidently, super
super assertively and all of a sudden your life will start to fall into place because you're doing things because you want to do them. You're doing things that feel true and you're not overthinking as much because if you feel something, you'll back it because you've your life's shown you it was the right thing. You know, so the intuition's got a few steps. You firstly just got to even know that it's who it is a part of who you are and that's why it's important to learn. And the second step is getting to know her. I call her a her, like my inner friend. And the third step is then learning how to live your life from her. Not without your mind completely, but definitely at least in the conversation. Well, just more balanced, right? Like at the moment, I would say like for myself, like I know that my mind drives like 80% of my action. And so it's probably more so like making that my intuition like drives 60%, my mind's 40%. So it's like working on those muscles more so that my intuition is actually having more of a voice in in the decisions and actions that I'm or, doing. Or, 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 or they work together 100%. Mm. It's yeah. just that the first step is the intuition and then the mind will say, okay, I reckon, yeah, 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 we're in a pandemic. So I know your gut's telling you, go to Europe. <laughs> But you're like, oh, but I might not be able to get back in the country. So your mind helps you kind of go, well, this is how this is going to work. Okay, so I've got to get to Europe by the time that I can. You know, like it can't just be everything led, but it can definitely not be ignored. Like you don't laugh at going to Europe. You just allow your mind to help you make that practical and possible. But they should be working in cohorts, like cohesion. It's like the yin and yang, the, the inner femme, the inner mask, the whatever, which way you want to look at it, like, they we all need a bit of both um and I just think that not only should it be in the conversation but it it is really important to try and find it be the one to speak first Mm, I like that I really like that a lot I honestly have so many questions that I could continue to ask you Stacey because I'm really enjoying everything that um you're sharing with us but I won't keep you too much longer (laughs) I do really want to know what's the best piece of advice that you're given when you are single surrender learning how to surrender and again I did a lot of training with Gabrielle Bernstein, who I recommend her book, The Universe Has Your Back. Um, I did my life coaching course with her and I did it because so much of her work really helped me, you know, just find more comfort in who I was and, and also find comfort in the uncomfortable. And surrender was such a big part she taught me practical steps to surrender. And actually in the next, in September, in Self Care Club, the entire month's content, that's like, I don't know, almost 20 different pieces of content across the month will drop all about surrender. That's how important I think it is. Um, because when, and that's not to put your hands off the wheel and let it drive into a lake, the car, you know, like I'm not saying be a dickhead <laughs> and just completely... <laughs> You know, we don't have to go extremes with things. But, you know, there's often a lot of times where we've done as much as we can and the last step is surrender, that we have to surrender the how, we have to surrender the when, we have to surrender this questioning of if and saying confidently when, you know, saying confidently when this happens but surrendering the when it is going to happen. Does that make sense? So you confidently say it's going to happen but you surrender the timeline. And, you know, really early on in the book I talk about, I remember when I was single and I would count the years after I had my breakup. So I broke up with this guy in November 
And I remember the first couple of years, I'd be like, oh my God, it's been a whole year and I'm, I've been single for one year. And then the next was like, oh my God, I've been single for two years. And it just felt like this was becoming this new identity. Like, oh my God, I've been single for longer now. And I had to really learn how to surrender because I, again, people would be like, you've got to surrender the timeline. And I was like, but how? I don't know how to do that. So I went searching and, um, and I do think it was not only the most um, impactful thing I did for that single time, but it's become the most impactful thing I can do for myself every day for the, forever. Like I will do my bit, but I surrender because I'm really now in a life and a flow that lives in myself or my family or the way that we live where if I surrender, I can be told where I have to go. I can be led where I'm supposed to be. I can flow with where my life wants to take me. And as somebody that grew up looking for a lot of control because of of situations of my upbringing, that's a really big feat for me. And so surrendering, I think a lot of us look to control a lot of situations to distract and, and hope that we can try and make it better. But actually, you're better off trying to put your energy into surrendering because then the world works for you you know, and um, I really have to actively work at that. But I do think it's one of the most important lessons I've ever learned. If everyone is listening to you going, oh my God, I am totally on Stacey's wavelength and I need to basically get more information from you. Where can we get that? What are the Instagrams, the website, what services are available to any listeners, listeners that are thinking this is their jam and they want more of it? Well, me, I spend a lot of time on Instagram and have found reels. So if you want dumb, stupid reels to make you laugh or like some of them are kind of mum life stuff, which has been really funny for me because I don't really identify as, like I said in the beginning, as like a particular type of person. Um, But yeah, I've just kind of embraced all the different parts. So at Stacey June, there's a lot of more of that stuff lately than my work stuff and um, single Pringle um au is my instagram account for all the single pringle stuff but also for self-care club so i do a lot of that stuff over there now um self-care club is my absolute baby my new baby and it's one of those things that i am enjoying myself not just from a business perspective but from a spending time perspective um it is the most affordable product that i have um but it's also importantly the most consistent thing I can offer at this point of my life I only have a certain amount of slots for coaching I think I'm almost full up for the year there are some available for later in the year so you can contact me dm me or find me on my website if one-on-one coaching and that kind of investment is something you'd be interested in but they are um, those spots do fill up Um, but please let us know we do have a wait list however the self-care club are a lot of the practices and principles that I do in that it just means that there'll be a portal of videos the other thing is that there's seven months now of info so we've gone through boundaries we've gone through making self-care fun we've gone through self-worth we've gone through we've just we're about to finish our three-month manifestation challenge uh, which is all about intuition finding what we truly want as opposed to what we're told we want so many things of the book, but really deep dives and practical meditations, tappings. There's workshops in there by specialists like energy healers and Chinese doctors and um, kinesiologists and 
breathwork um, specialists and human design people. Like it's actually just such a wonderful club. Exactly what I would have loved to have if I was in that place and kind of enjoying it now. So yeah, there's a couple of options and my website has a whole heap of stuff you can buy online if that's for you and you just want to do it at your own pace. But um, it is my absolute calling to now make some of the stuff that I find really interesting into a practical way to learn, you know, and as you can probably imagine with the style of my conversation, it's pretty relaxed and there's no there's no special woo-woo lady, you know, kind of making you feel a bit not spiritual enough. And there's not, it's not a, I'm not a person that doesn't take that seriously too, you know, like it's just a very kind of relaxed vibe um, where people are really encouraged to be themselves. Like that's essentially what I want everybody to feel. So not be like me, not be like the next person, be more like you. Mm. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to be dropping all those links in the show notes for anyone that wants to discover more, but otherwise Stacey, oh my God, (laughs) I am so excited to like jump on your website and just continue to learn after this conversation with you, because I have found it so. um, Oh, you should join the club, Georgina. I know. Well, now I'm like, you really sold me. Um, (laughs) Because it's so nice. We can catch up all the time. Like it actually is like a real, you know, we have a monthly catch up and all the chicks in there just have become friends and I was like, should we do a bring a friend thing? And they're like, no, we like that we don't know anyone really in here. Like it's kind of this self-care, self-development hub where you can kind of, you know, things you wouldn't tell your friend because you're really diving into them sometimes. Yeah. You can tell this group because everyone's in the same the same boat. So, yeah, it's funny. It's kind of created it to be that way um, naturally. So, yeah, it'd be awesome to see you in there. <laughs> yeah, well, I love it. And I've just so thoroughly enjoyed having this conversation with you. And I'm sure that many of our listeners today will be feeling the same and feeling really energized to make like purposeful action um, and to do some inner soul searching because I feel like you've just really inspired a lot of us to go do that. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Well, thanks for doing what you do and putting yourself out there and and sharing these kinds of conversations. It's no small feat. People are not aware of how much work goes behind a podcast. Uh, And as much as, yes, a lot of people have them now, it doesn't take away from the value and impact of what you're trying to do too. So um, I honour that in you and I I see that. I've I've lived it and I think it's pretty awesome. Thank you, Stacey. That means a lot. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Wow. I hope you enjoyed it. I release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe or follow and tune in next week. Otherwise, in the meantime, you better come join us on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a professional first. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. Oh,